I think we're very close to the point of making cloud-like networking common uh, beyond the public cloud. At this stage, I think it's not technology that's lacking. Technology is very much there. Now it's time for us to share the skills around these new amazing technologies with the community and to get people to adopt these new amazing technologies more and more. It's being adopted, but I personally want to see those technologies mainstream. Like today, small percent of networks are on these new technologies yet. Over time, it will be like 90% or 100%. That's what I would love to see. Nice. So it seems like there needs to be a sort of cultural shift or a mass adoption of these technologies that aren't what traditional network engineers have been using in their careers. Yeah, totally. Cultural shift. Just like cloud created cultural shift of its own, now it's time to take that cloud created cultural shift to next level. Welcome back to Alexa's Input. As simple as possible, as powerful as necessary, right? Welcome to Alexa's Input. The person is probably more interesting than the tool that they're using. Welcome to Alexa's Input! Welcome to the fifth episode of Alexa's Alexa's Input. Then a six-year-old runs into the data center with a squirt gun and they set that machine into a pile of sparks and flames. Yes, it's a good thing to do. Is it the thing we should be doing? Welcome to Alexa's Input. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Alexa's Input. Today, we're talking with Alex Saroyan about networking. This is part two of the networking episode with Alex. Um, today, we're going to dig into some more terms, and then we're going to have some discussion about cloud in general and networking. So yeah, today we talk a bit about programmable network service. Uh, we have a discussion about firewalls, smart NICs, and then we delve into hybrid cloud and how networking's evolved. So I'd say if you are a little familiar with networking, um, but want to learn more, a bit more about some um, hot topics or terms, it's good for you. And then also if you're familiar with networking, I think that the discussion at the end is something maybe you would enjoy as well. So it has a little bit for everyone. Yeah, make sure you listen to part one of this episode as well. I'm glad to have Alex on again. Also, just a side note, I'm going to KubeCon Europe 2023. So that'll be in Amsterdam in a couple weeks. I'm actually giving a talk at Istio Day. If you're there, please come say hi. Um, I can't wait to see everyone. And I'm super excited for my talk as well. Um, Alex will be there too. He mentions that in this episode. So yeah, I can't wait to see everyone there. And I hope you enjoy this episode. If you can, please go to the anchor link in the description and donate. Um, You can do as little as 99 cents and you can go up from there. I appreciate everyone who does donate. Just know I see you. I appreciate you. And thank you for listening and investing in my podcast. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button because then it notifies you about new episodes that come out. You can also follow the Twitter account at Alexa's Input to know more information about new episodes and when they come out as well. As always, thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode.
Okay. Next topic I'm interested in is uh, a programmable network service. Can you tell me more about what that is? That, that's that's a great question. And uh, in fact, uh, in different environments, people understand this differently. Most of the traditional network vendors that are uh, that are creating products for traditional data centers, they have pro programmability functionality. So which typically means that instead of like engineers, uh, you know, going to the uh, uh, connecting to devices individually and configuring them one by one, they can use programmability. So they can use Python or they can use Ansible uh, or, or something like that for uh, creating kind of automation and creating piece of software that will pro program the network devices like routers and firewalls. That's that's what programmability typically is uh, in traditional data center. Now, <clears throat> it's there is programmability, but there's no. It's it's not necessarily declarative, so there's no necessarily uh, abstraction. It's it's programmable, but it's not programmable in abstracted way like in public cloud. So basically someone who's used to public cloud, someone who's able to create services in GCP or the AWS may not necessarily be able to use that kind of programmability. That traditional network programmability is designed for uh, highly skilled network engineers who very well uh, understand network architecture and also have uh, programming skills who, who can write. A Python program or Ansible uh, automation playbook. Oh, interesting. So it's like like a template for you to create your programmable network, but it doesn't actually abstract and give you like inputs for it. I'd say I, I started using Ansible recently, actually, and uh, so that's interesting. And Terraform. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, both, 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 both are great tools, and uh, it, 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 each th th there is a great use case for almost every tool. And uh, when 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 network engineer has uh, some task that is very much uh, re repeatable, uh, it's it makes a lot of sense to use programmability uh, with Ansible or Python or uh, or salt or whatever to to automate the task and instead of like uh, you know typing commands every time instead of that just run a playbook so playbook type commands for you but the thing is uh, network engineers and and that's very efficient way for network engineer to automate on repeatable tasks the the difference uh, between that and uh, declarative abstraction is that uh, all the automation and programmability is only applicable for tasks that that are repeatable that you know upfront. So you you cannot give that to your DevOps engineer. DevOps engineer cannot use it. You 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 need to be network engineer. So basically, the process is still DevOps engineer goes to network engineer, describes what they want to achieve, what what their ask is. Uh, then 
network engineer either configures manually or programmatically, but still it would require network engineers. So th there is no abstraction. You still need network engineers mind to translate requirements into a configuration. Versus yeah. in public cloud, you're dealing with abstraction and DevOps engineer goes to abstraction, the, you know, I mm -hmm. want this and abstraction translates what into actual how. Yeah, that makes sense. There are a few other terms that I found on the Netris website that I'm interested in. Um, you've spoken a couple of times about a firewall. Can you maybe describe what a firewall is in networking and why it's so useful? So, so, so the basic purpose of firewall is to kind of uh, protect my critical servers from unwanted access. So protect from add la layer of security uh, between public internet and my physical servers. So please don't take this as a firewall will solve all security problems. Mm -hmm. No, there's just another layer. You To be secure, you need to have multiple layers. You, you need security on your servers, on your firewalls. Th there's never too much security unless it gets into into a way of business. Anyways, so we at Netris, uh, our goal is to enable everyone in the world to have cloud-like simple networking everywhere, not only public cloud, but also in traditional data center or in bare metal cloud. Now, oftentimes we're coming from public cloud experience and like taking that experience from AWS and GCP and trying to replicate that for users beyond. So in public cloud, uh, users typically deal with two types of uh, firewall with the network, uh, network access uh, control and security groups. So net network access control is basically networking rules where, where you say permit only this traffic from public internet towards my uh, servers uh, and uh, deny everything else. Uh, where, where, where security groups are kind of more of a more granular uh, uh, constructs for controlling traffic, where you can say between this and that uh, virtual machines or containers, I want, I want to permit this traffic and deny the uh, rest of the traffic. Uh, in traditional data center, uh, most people uh, achieving the same thing in traditional data center would need to use uh, a specialized hardware firewall like Cisco ASA or Juniper SRX. That's that's the typical approach in traditional data center. Um, when when using Netris, uh, there's there's no need for that because uh, you know over time Linux and uh, open source community. Have have created uh, lots lots of products, and this open source networking software has evolved, and even a lot of uh, a lot of things in public under the hood of public cloud are using many open source uh, uh, projects and technologies. So modern uh, servers were, with smart NICs with the software acceleration running software can. Uh, perform, can move network pa packets uh, at similar 
speed with a similar performance as uh, you know physical uh, specialized network devices. So our our users they they don't run uh, physical routers and firewalls and load balancers. No, they they run NetRis VPC gateways, which is set of servers uh, which that that perform network functions very similar to what public cloud providers are using for enabling their VPC. Now, firewall is one of one of the functions, one of the services that exist in the VPC of public cloud. So in, in NetRis vision, it should exist in your physical data center or bare metal anywhere uh, where, where you're running uh, NetRis VPC or potentially one other VPC in the future. So I've seen in the cloud before that the firewall option is set up. What, so when does a person set up a firewall? Is it per VPC they set up or it's not per service, right? Like it's not per database and per service. It's, it's what, what, when, at what level does it get set up? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, so mo mo most, the, the most common uh, common case is uh, to to set up per per network or per VPC. Uh, so so oftentimes we see people uh, you know de de defaulting firewall to like deny everything and like permit a uh, couple of ports that are used for their uh, production services. Uh, so ne network access lists are typically kind of kind of generic. They are not per service. You can do per service. That's doable, but more more often we uh, we we see people doing kind of generic rules. Deny everything. Permit my HTTP port. Permit my HTTPS port. Kind of like that. And using security groups uh, for more granular access. Uh, but this is very much uh, different from company to company. Some some organizations have like like kind of lower views uh, mm -hmm. for security, and they have basic rules. But but we also uh, worked with cu with customers which are very whose business is kind of very 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 sensitive to hacker attacks to. Uh, to secure it so they have very high security requirements and like if if we look into their firewall rules they have like thousands of rules they have process where someone creates rules someone is to approve rules that's kind of depends on uh company co company's requirements i'm curious in general how often are these networks getting hit with like spam random requests that are end up being denied um, is it typically a lot or not often uh, so the, there are some targeted attacks which are typically kind of business specific they're mm -hmm. usually targeting to achieve some specific goals and we there are companies who, who are in in a business like we we see that for example in online gaming business this this happens more often just just something that that we have seen uh 
But there are other attacks that are not uh, specifically targeted. Like for example, if you if you if you leave your SSH access to your server open, uh, even though you have password, like you you set up a server and let's say you enable SSH on it so you can connect from your uh, laptop to that server over SSH or administration. If you leave that open for entire world, even though you have password there. And soon, if you check your SSH logs, most probably you're, you're going to find a lot of attempts, uh, automatic bot attempts trying to like brute force and you know find your, your password for your default user, users, for root, for example, for Ubuntu user. And, who's, and if you... who's spamming everyone? Like someone is just running bots to just try to get information from anyone? Uh, D different different objectives, but there are there are groups that are uh, trying to do this because they want to they they are trying to hack a server, get access to server, load uh, lo lo load the virus or or, mm -hmm. or Trojan tro Trojan uh, ho horse, and use that server uh, for for their future attacks. So basically, they want to involve lot of servers and to to have a lot of many endpoints for attack so Weird. this is a way <laughs> for hacker yeah users need to uh, be careful and need to kind of protect so when if if you need to uh, keep your ssh port open you you'd better use firewall uh, to like permit uh, connection from your home IP address, for example, but deny from everywhere else. Nice. And uh, I know this might be a little off topic, topic, but I've heard that a lot of home tools get hacked a lot. Is this due to them not having a very strict firewall or? You cannot uh, block everything, right? Even yeah. even if you, if you, let's say you block your obvious things, you, you block your SSH and, and other system ports that are not required, there are ports that you are not be able to block. Like for example, wherever your application is running, you, you want to receive traffic on that port, right? Because in that case, it, firewall cannot, dis, cannot distinguish between legit customer traffic and uh, attacker traffic. Mo mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's, 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 it's not easy. So that's that's not job of firewall that's that's more of a job of your your application needs to have its mm -hmm. it needs to have secure design too which sometimes it's not not the case uh with some i don't know usually low 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 cost devices and it happens so that they get hacked they get viruses and then they start attacking others oh interesting okay sorry that was just my i was just curious about that um, so one last acronym and term that I saw on your website that I was curious about, it's this, uh, idea of smart NICs. Can you explain to me what an NIC is and why does it need to be smart? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great question. So, uh, well, NIC, oh, also called NIC is network interface card. So. So basically your server has this network connection and the cable is connected to your network interface card. And 
historically, network interface cards, NICs, were just designed for, for just making internet connection for servers. Uh, over time, uh, chip manufacturers uh, ca came up with a powerful uh, uh, net network chips for network interface cards that were able to do much more than just uh, you know accepting traffic and sending traffic. Uh, why, why was that important? Because before SmartNICs, uh, the the no the, the common approach was that servers are great for data analysis, but servers aren't great for uh, routing, uh, for processing large uh, uh, quantity of network traffic. That's why uh, we, we've been using routers and, and switches and firewalls, physical, physical routers, physical load balancers historically for most of the time. But SmartNICs are, are changing this. SmartNICs are adding uh, kind of hardware acceleration to traditional NIC. That's, that's the smart part because your NIC, your network interface card, is not only this dumb device that uh, takes packets in and out, but also there's, a, there's additional CPU resources, there's additional memory resources, which is programmable. So basically, your SmartNIC card, if you program it right, it can uh, it, it can accelerate uh, network packet processing and turn your server into network device. Awesome. Okay, so I'm done with the rapid fire questions about um, definitions and those topics. So why don't we just talk a little bit about how people are using the cloud today? Um, I know that there's recently been this pusher idea of hybrid cloud. Um, and I know that, that may bring some networking challenges as people are kind of doing both. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how people are approaching networking today in that sense? Uh, uh, so so uh, mo mo most of the new, mo mo most new companies, most startups, they start in public cloud. Why? Because it's, extremely easy it, it, it's it's they can scale in they scale they get they can scale out it's good for them to be able to focus specifically on their core product instead of uh, wasting their time and focus on taking care of infrastructure cloud is easy so they start there uh, over time when uh, when they grow they figure out the product market fit and grow into uh, uh, you know, successful businesses, uh, they start making money. They they discover that sometimes cloud is getting re really expensive. And we've we've worked with custom uh, with customers who were startups born in the cloud, and cloud cost was becoming prohibitive for them. Uh, I'm I'm telling story of specific. Uh, startup, but we have m multiple very, very similar to those. So cloud cost was uh, was prohibitive for them, and they were they were understanding. Okay, if we if we build the if if we go to data center, if we move like most of the uh, uh, m most of the uh, intensive uh, CPU intensive applications out of the cloud, or most of the traffic 
uh, uh, intensive applications out of the cloud and keep cloud only for uh, like a, for for spikes or when whenever they have in, enormous traffic for a couple of days, they serve that spikes using public cloud resources. But majority of traffic to be to be served from their physical data center. So this was was a solution on the paper which would uh, which would help them uh, make their business extremely profitable. But for them being you know, born in the cloud and not having a lot of experience uh, in managing tr traditional data center networks, it was hard and it would require them, uh, you know, building new fu functions in their team. Uh, and they didn't have uh, the skills and it was actually hard and like that would slow down their business, would, re would change their internal processes, which they were trying to avoid, and when they uh, when they when we met, their reaction was like, "Wow, it sounds like with Netris we can build our own data centers, our own infrastructure, without the without lots of complexity. So it will look like uh, cloud uh, very much. Uh, they 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 figured they can save a lot of Capex too, in in, because because we use SmartNICs for lots of network functions. So they don't need to buy network routers. They don't need to buy network firewalls. They don't need to buy a, a load balancers. All these functions are provided through our SmartNIC accelerated uh, VPC gateways. So they figured there's a cost cost uh, saving opportunity for them. Uh, but also uh, opportunity to to uh, uh, to build and manage their private cloud in easy way, very comparable to public cloud. And eventually, they are not leaving public cloud for hundred percent. So they are they are hybrid. It means they're gonna have both private cloud and public cloud. So they would like to preserve similar. Uh, similar pipelines, similar workflows, dealing with both types of infrastructure. So they really wanted their compute, networking, and storage in their data center to be very much similar to public cloud. Now, there are products that uh, solve uh, the compute part. There are pro products that solve uh, storage part. Uh, but they they were not finding a product that is solving networking part. They found Netris, and so they built their private cloud data center uh, that worked well. And in fact, with this particular company, they that that changed helped them to become much profitable than they they could be in public cloud. And their startup was acquired by large publicly traded company for. Like a nine-nine-figure number. Nice. So, am I understanding correctly that you that Netris put software on the company's hardware, and they don't actually have to use any of your hardware? Is that right? It's all theirs. Yeah, all that's 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 all uh, all all theirs. Oh, nice. Cool. So, do you service a lot of people who, or a lot of companies who? 
don't use the cloud at all? Like, is there are there any companies that you've seen that just are completely on prem and uh, use you for networking too? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, th there are some companies which are which are like that. So, uh, there's a recent customer uh, uh, with with interesting story. They uh, they are in uh, financial uh, analytics world. Uh, so, they are new 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 company. They are a startup. They they are a very successful startup. They they raise a lot of money, uh, having very good traction. But what is interesting uh, with them and what is very different with them that they started in data center because their application, financial, uh, you know, uh, stock mm -hmm. exchange market analytics uh, kind of thing, they cloud wasn't a fit for them. They because they require to to be very close to uh, to stock exchange physically because of the latency. They are dealing with large large amount of data, like like storing like petabytes of data and like analyzing that and sending lots of uh, data to their customers. And we all know that uh, data data you know the major cost. Of cloud is coming from moving data and storing data and especially using that stored data or, or sending data to your customers. They had all these things. So cloud wasn't a fit for them. And they were, okay, we need to build data centers, actually three data centers, not just one. And they were evaluating various approaches. Uh, but for them, they are startup. They want, want to... Uh, they wanted to preserve, stay nimble with their infrastructure. So they were trying to find a solution which will, for for each thing, for, for compute, for storage, for network, they, are look, they, they were looking for storage technology, which would uh, make their storage local. Uh, they, they were looking for compute technology, which would help run their local compute in easy way and networking technology. So for network, they picked Netris. Big, big, uh, big requirement here to to make uh, you know lifecycle management really easy. Uh, keep costs down in terms of again using smart NICs instead of physical routers uh, and firewalls. Uh, so so that's their story. They 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 built private cloud. From day one, they are 100% in their own private infrastructure. They have nothing in public cloud. And the reason for them is latency requirements, very high volume of storage, and high volume of network uh, traffic requirements. Yeah, That's very interesting. Um, so just a step back. Uh, how has networking evolved? Uh, since you've been in the industry, what advancements are the most impressive that you've seen, in your opinion? Uh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, so smart NICs, uh, I I thank the world for mm -hmm. smart NICs. <laughs> Something that I remember when I was a network engineer back then, I was like dreaming of technology that would allow 
to turn a Linux machine into network router, network gateway, whatever, which would which could do like could process lots of traffic. So thanks uh, to SmartNix, uh, X, XDP uh, and DPDK are uh, are big. Again, uh, the software part that helps you know uh, developers like us to to consume to use SmartNix. Uh, uh, open networking switches played played big role. Like uh, back back in the day when like ten years ten years ago, switches were mainly closed. That uh, they had very low programmability. So anyone trying to build automation that that would be very hard and very much kind of vendor specific uh, it would require lots of vendor specific things now we've got uh, open networking switches so like standardized switches so like uh, companies like nvidia or dell or h4 they build switches that are are based on a they have similar hardware architecture inside that they are running linux so basically, ability to run Linux on network switch is a is a big advancement that we love. Uh, that's very helpful. Uh, Terraform, which kind of created this declarative approach, I think that's also significant in networking because that kind of enabled us to see that declarative uh, abstraction approach where which is kind of foundational for enabling end user, DevOps engineer, be able to make changes to the network without breaking it, without creating problem for a network engineer. So with this advancement, finally, networks beyond public cloud are becoming easy and great and stable for everyone. Awesome. That's quite a few nice advancements. Um, on the other hand, what do you think is lacking? What advancements do you think are still needed in the field of networking? Cool question. I, I think we're very close uh, to to the point of kind of bringing this uh, cloud-like networking, uh, making cloud-like net cloud-like networking kind of common uh, beyond the public cloud. Uh, at this stage, I think it's not technology that's lacking, but more of a, now it's uh, technology is very much there. Now it's time uh, for us to share this, share the skills uh, around this new amazing technologies with the community and get, uh, you know, get people mm, to start using, to get people to adopt this new amazing technologies more and more. It's being adopted, but I personally want to see those technologies uh, becoming like the main, like like mainstream, like running 90% of, today, small percent of networks are on, on these new technologies yet, but over time, they it, it will be like 90% or 100%, that's, that's what I would love to see. Nice. So it seems like there needs to be a sort of cultural shift or a mass adoption of this these technologies that aren't maybe 
what traditional network engineers have been using in their careers? Yeah, totally. Co co cultural shift. Just like cloud created cultural shift of its own, uh, now it's time to take that cloud created cultural shift to next level. The same culture uh, should be everywhere. Not only in networking, also in compute and storage too, entire infrastructure stack. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, thank you. I don't have any more questions. Is there anything that you would like to leave us with? Any last words or any advice? First of all, thank you too for uh, amazing conversation, which I very much enjoyed. enjoyed. Uh, I just wanted to say that if, if someone is interested in this topics in networking, uh, I'm very much open. Uh, I'm available on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn. I'm very much open to all kinds of conversations. Uh, we'll try to find time for any anyone asking any question. Don't promise, but I will do my best to find time uh, for that. I, I, I guess that's it. Let's connect on, on LinkedIn, uh, on Twitter, uh, on Slack. Uh, if if someone is going, whoever is going to KubeCon in uh, upcoming KubeCon in Europe, uh, will be there to so come visit our booth. Yeah, That's... I'm hoping to go. So uh, I'll see you there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'll link your in the description of the podcast. I'll link all of uh, the ways that you just mentioned to find you as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Alexa's Input. Make sure to subscribe so you know when the next episode comes out. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Alexa's Input. Finally, any donations are welcome. You can go click the link on in the description, go to the anchor page, and I do take donations because I edit and record these podcasts on my own. So those are very much appreciated. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.